But again, there was no, there's no harm, no foul in losing to a team like Santa Clara on the road. So the, I don't think that that was going to impact USF much. And the, and the ratings kind of matched that as well. What really hurt them was then going back home and losing to San Diego. That's a game that USF has to have. The Dons have to get that game. And they really were on their heels the entire game. Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome back for another episode of the unofficial WCC Hoops podcast. I'm Zach Farmer, and we are a week into the the start of conference play, and I think it's safe to say that chaos uh, is the uh, was the was the phrase and the feeling of week one of WCC play. Uh, so there's a lot of like different little stories we can start to look at and think about as we started to see how conference play is going to roll out and i'll be talking with andy Patton from locked on zags and the locked on college basketball podcast a little bit later to discuss this first week and and where teams stand and how we're thinking about conference play as we move forward but first i want to start with maybe the team that is starting to figure it out and that's byu and I say start, I know that going into the week, BYU had won five straight. They'd beaten Creighton. Uh, they had some, they beat Utah. They had, they are starting to pick up some steam, but I was waiting for them to play a team that was clearly a lower, a less talented team than they are. And they had two of them this week in both Pacific and Portland. And for the first time this season, BYU did not play down to its competition. They picked up two double-digit wins. They were really impressive in, in Stockton on Thursday and then picked up another big win in Provo over a very banged-up Portland team. But this is a BYU team that has now won seven in a row and is starting to look like they have, they're starting to roll. They've started to figure it out. And in the last week and a half, they've also gotten back Spencer Johnson. And that was a huge um, piece to their win against, against Pacific. He had 15 in that game. He had nine in the win against uh, Portland. And he's just adding depth to this team. This is a team who is still trying, who didn't have all of their shooters available. They were still trying to figure that part out. They were still trying to figure out what to do with Rudy Williams. And it looks like that they they have found his role of being that sixth man, first guy off the bench. This BYU team is one of the three remaining undefeateds in the WCC. It's kind of funny. We talk, I started this off by talking about how much chaos there has been. Yet, if you look at the top of the WCC, it is status quo. The three remaining undefeateds are Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU. And B, and this BYU team does look like it's starting to roll. It does look like it's starting to pick up some steam. Uh, they've looked very good in these first few games. Obviously, we have a long way to go, but BYU, uh, they're they're back in the mix. They're, I believe, I looked at it. They're about ninety four, ninety five in in the net right now. So they still have a long ways to go. I don't think that they're they would be able to squeeze in an NCAA tournament bid, but they are. From where they started just a few weeks ago, about a month ago, to where we are today, BYU has made huge strides and look like that they're 
they're going to be back in the mix. So they're going to be a team that continue to watch and become dangerous for the likes of St. Mary's and BYU when it comes to seeding for the NCAA tournament. So on the, on the flip side, talked about a team who performed really well in BYU and has taken some good first steps in their last uh, WCC season to a team who really fell flat this first week, and that was USF. USF was coming off a really good two-week stretch, beating the UNLV. They beat Arizona State. Yes, they had the, the loss to Arlington, which, which really was going to sting. But they came into WCC play still with an outside shot of of getting back into the at-large conversation based on who they would pick up wins against and everything else. And they had a great opportunity uh, in this first week against Santa Clara. And I I felt like those two teams were going to be pretty evenly matched. And we did see that for the most part, like in the first, I would say, 25 to 30 minutes of that game before Santa Clara started to pull away. But again, there was no, there's no harm, no foul in losing to a team like Santa Clara on the road. So th- I don't think that that was going to impact USF much. And the, and the ratings kind of match that as well. What really hurt them was then going back home and losing the San Diego. That's a game that USF has to have. The Dons have to get that game. And they really were on their heels the entire game against San Diego. Uh, San Diego came out and really hurt, uh, really like the the two guys like Marcellus Erlington and then also Chase Town, uh, Jace Townsend were the two key guys. Jace Townsend returned from injury, like he missed the St. Mary's game last Thursday, but came back. He had twenty two. Uh, Santa Clara, or I said USF has gotten burned these first couple games with guards that can penetrate and get to the basket. Uh, Carlos Stewart on Thursday for Santa Clara, and then Jace Townsend again on on saturday so the usf is is reeling a little bit uh they're zero and two for the first time since the 2020 season the 1920 season and now they're staring at a stretch that's going to be really tough they have gonzaga on thursday which <laughs> i'm i'm sorry i'm i'm chalking that up to an l already then they hit the road for two they'll be at lmu on this saturday and the next week they have, they're going to be up in Portland, and then they're back home for St. Mary's. This, this is a really critical time for USF. They're already look. It's already not looking good, or I'm already like not looking good. It's like the hopes of an NCAA tournament at large are gone. Right now, they sit 119 in the net, and there are not going to be enough opportunities in conference play to really get back into it short of beating Gonzaga and St. Mary's in the next two weeks. This is so for USF again, they're already out of that picture getting back into the, even the NIT picture, I feel is going to be really difficult at this stage, just based on the number of opportunities left, but they can still get back into good position for Vegas. Cause again, there's always the chance of being able to, to steal, steal the bid there. Uh, but USF is going to have to start to pick it up in these next few games. I know I'm again, I'm not saying they're going to be Gonzaga, but they need to look better against the Zags on Thursday before they hit, hit the road and play LMU in Portland. LMU went up to Portland last week and, and stomped on Portland by 20, but then they go and lose to Pacific uh, just on Saturday. So again, we talk about this chaos, this back and forth with a lot of these teams, 
WCC teams are beating up on each other right now. And USF has to write the ship really early. Otherwise, they're going to, I mean, they're staring already at 0-2. They're staring at 0-3, which would be the first time they're 0-3 since uh, the the 2012-13 season. And that year they started 0-5. And honestly, looking at this, if they don't, if they don't get Gonzaga, which I, I don't think they will, I think it's if they don't get LMU, now this could snowball with a game at Portland, a game against St. Mary's before they get Pacific, which might be the one where it's like, okay, they finally have gotten out of this bit of a gauntlet of the start of conference play. But we thought that would that was going to be the case against San Diego that they have they would have at least a little bit of reprieve with the with the Toreros coming in, that was absolutely not the case. USF has work to do, um, and they've really got to right the ship in the next week or so. Otherwise, this can really snowball on them. And, And the other team I want to focus on to open this up is Santa Clara. Santa Clara, to me, had one of the better weeks in conference play talked about BYU having a really good week. I think Santa Clara, even though they lost to St. Mary's had a really good week. They snapped a five game losing streak to USF by beating them. And really we got to see just the balance of what Santa Clara can bring. All five starters were in double figures. They had, they had Carlos Stewart really kind of like take the lead there in the first half and, and, get them back into the game. And then in the second half, it was Brandon Pajemski who really started to uh, create and, and distance themselves from USF in that second half. Uh, that's this. What I thought it was one of the better games again, like in that we've had so far, it's only been a couple of games with USF Santa Clara always give us really good games. And then what they did on Saturday against St. Mary's, I also thought was really impressive. Uh, one of the things we know that Santa Clara over the last few years has not been all that great on has been their interior, their, their interior presence. And if you go back and look and while yes, like St. Mary's had a lot of second chance opportunities and everything else, you, you go back and look at the box score and Santa Clara out rebounded St. Mary's. And that's only the third time all year. Anyone has actually done that. The other two uh, being Van Vanderbilt. And then also I was just staring. I was just staring at the number. The other, the other team was San Diego state. So that's that's a really impressive feat. The fact that St. Mary's got up by double digits and Santa Cl- in the second half, and Santa Clara just kept fighting and fighting and fighting and got themselves back into the game, and really had a shot there at the end. And there was yes, there was a pretty questionable uh, foul call on the inbound there with uh, Pajemski on Logan Johnson. It was hard to tell from that cam- from the camera angles of what of what actually happened. Maybe we got a really good finish uh, stolen from us as fans being able to watch that. Uh, But Santa Clara put themselves in position to win that game. They could have won that game. It ends up going down as a loss for the Broncos, but I think this shows just the potential Santa Clara has going forward in conference play. I don't think you can overlook them. Santa Clara gets a shot at Gonzaga this week on Saturday at the Levy center. I think this is this is going to be the toughest matchup for Gonzaga going into Santa Clara that they've had in a long, long time. And this is going to be a week for Gonzaga where they have the maybe their toughest 
uh, road WCC road trip, both being at USF and then at Santa Clara. So I think Santa Clara is going to have a shot against the Broncos. Keep in mind that the last time they played, uh, the last time they played Gonzaga a year ago up in the kennel, they played them way better than they had the year before. Obviously, way, new pieces. Jalen Williams isn't there. Brankich isn't there. You have Pajemski. Carlos Stewart's playing a larger role. All of that. But this is, but Santa Clara is looking like, I mean, to me, they look like the third best team. And now it's it's very clear that they are the third best team in the WCC. Uh, we'll see how it how this all plays out Santa Clara this week is all is also going to be looking at trying to trying to get trying to pick back up they, they were again they lost to St. Mary's on on Saturday so they'll be looking to bounce like they have pep they're going to be on the road at Pepperdine and then again they host Gonzaga on on Saturday so Santa Clara is another one like Keep an eye on Santa Clara. Keep an eye on the Broncos. I think that this team is going to end up there. To me, they're the clear number three after seeing what we saw this week. They're, I think they have to pick up this win against Pepperdine on, on Thursday before seeing Gonzaga. This is, again, a tough. It's going to be a tough week uh, because both of those teams can really bring it on the offensive end. All right, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and bring in uh, Andy Patton, and we'll talk some uh, talk some WCC hoops and get his his reaction to this first week. All right, and I need a little help talking about just the chaos that has been this first week of WCC play. So I'm going to bring in Andy Patton uh, from the Locked On Zags podcast and also the Locked On College Basketball podcast. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. Andy, how's it going? Ah, uh, it's good, man. It's good. Thanks for having me on, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let again, I talked about the chaos that has been the first week. We had some, I, I would say, some pretty significant upsets throughout the course mm -hmm. of the week. But then what we saw at the top was almost status quo. The, mm -hmm. the Zags, Gales, and BYU all are the three remaining undefeateds. Mm -hmm. uh, what has been your impression of this of this first week? And um, and then we'll get into the Zags a little bit after that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I had a question on a Mailbag Monday segment for, for Locked on Zags recently, kind of asking, like, what was the biggest surprise thing that happened in the first week of the WCC? And I was like, oh, gosh, like, there's so many things you could potentially pick. Uh, for me, I, I think a big part, uh, something that really stood out to me was San Francisco dropping their first two games, uh, you know, a team that had at-large bid aspirations, obviously got an at-large bid last year in the final year of Todd Golden's era uh, at USF. And now we're looking at a team that falls by double digits to San Diego, falls by double digits to Santa Clara. You can forgive the Santa Clara loss. I think they're arguably a better team or at least a very comparable team. Uh, but San Diego, that's a tough loss to take. And, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of hope that the cream will rise to the crop. And we've, we've seen that. Uh, with St. Mary's and Gonzaga, of course, being at the top, BYU's kind of made themselves back in that conversation as a top three team. But uh, it's unfortunate to kind of look at where this conference is right now and, and not see any teams with a clear path to an at-large bid outside of the top two, in part because of some some early season losses. Uh, it's always been a criticism of the Pac-12 that you see them kind of cannibalize each other, and you're seeing that a little bit here in the WCC. And as a mid-major conference, there's just so little wiggle room for those teams. 
I mean, that I think that was the shocker to me as well. Mm-hmm. Was that was the USF dropping both of them? Mm-hmm. Um, you pair that with even thinking about like the Arlington loss, Davidson earlier on, and the idea I think USF's hopes mm-hmm. of at the very least like an NCAA tournament bidder out the window. Now at the NIT is starting to look very questionable just with some mm-hmm. of these losses. Yeah, I, I think USF is um this was a rough week for them. Yeah. But one of the teams we talked talked about was like as status quo was the Zags. And yeah. this is a team that only had one conference game last year. They had Pepperdine, but mm-hmm. like they started last year in conference play, they dropped a hundred plus on a WCC team. I think it was Pepperdine in the opener last year as well. Uh, and they've now won seven in a row. Drew Timmy is on a heater right now. Mm-hmm. So just kind of talking to me about uh, where, where the Zags are, because it seems like they're really starting to like get into a rhythm and have, and have this figured out now. You know, it's funny. I think that the the media conversation and the fan conversation around Gonzaga this year has been so different than it's been in, in previous years. And quite honestly, a lot of their trajectory has been pretty similar. They started the year well last year. They started the well, year well this year. Uh, and then they had a, a little ugly streak around November, December last year when they lost to Alabama and they lost to Duke this year. They did the same thing. They lost a couple of games. They played a more challenging schedule. And then you saw Gonzaga pick up a huge non-conference win in December last year against Texas Tech, this year against Alabama. And then they go cruising into conference play, which is what we saw them do last year, what we saw them do this year with that huge 111 points that they dropped on the Pepperdine Waves. I think this team is just starting to figure it out. They had a lot of guys in new roles. You know, Malachi Smith had to adjust to to being a much less ball guy with the ball in his hands, much less this year. Uh, you saw Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas kind of trying to figure out their roles. Uh, but ultimately, it all relies, relies on the big man. And Drew's just been absolutely out of his mind. The, I think the last seven games, 27 points, nine boards, four assists on 70% shooting. Uh, I saw a stat, I believe it was Jared Benson, formerly of ESPN Stats and Info, who tweeted this, who said, this is the first time somebody's done that in a seven game streak since uh, Zion Williamson. And wow. you know, that's pretty good, pretty good comparison there. Drew and Zion, very different players, uh, but still otherworldly efficient. And and if Drew continues to play like this, Gonzaga's ceiling, uh, even without a guy like Chet Holmgren uh, on the back, is still really high. And I think like one of the things, like I mean, uh, Drew has been just absolutely incredible the last few mm-hmm. weeks. And I think one of the questions of Brown Gonzaga was like, where where was the where was the consistency going to come from mm-hmm. in the rest of the cast? I think yep. early on, we all thought it was going to be uh, Julian Strother who's going to kind of carry that piece. And he's mm-hmm. had, he's had a couple of tough stretches here and there where he's kind of been like, not necessarily invisible, but he hasn't been as like noticeable or impactful yeah. as we all thought he might be um, throughout the course of the season. But it's, so just kind of like, talk to me a little bit about like where Strother is right now and just kind of like where they are starting to fit, fill in these other pieces. Because as you talked about that, there was, filling in kind of like the people are figuring out their roles and where they fit mm-hmm. and everything else. It has, it started to feel like Gonzaga has like that a consistent number two or is the number two, almost like a rotating piece at this point. Yeah. You know, I think it's more of a rotating piece and I kind of, I think that that might work to their disadvantage. Quite honestly, I think they need somebody to really step up and be solidified in that number two spot. Uh, Strother's the most likely candidate. The Zags best games are when he is playing well. Uh, there is no that's not a secret at all he's you know six seven can score around the rim can score from beyond the arc is a good defensive player like he's he's the archetype that you really want to be your number two with a a dominant low post player like drew and he can be that guy and he was uh, gonzaga probably doesn't beat xavier without julian strother having a really nice game down the stretch like he's led them to victory in a handful of games played really really well in games that they really needed him to play well but you know we haven't seen rasir bolton step into that role that's been a bit of a, a 
mysterious disappearance for him this season as a fifth year guy you kind of don't expect to see regression the way that we have seen from him and so with with him kind of not being that guy right now it's fallen a lot on Julian uh, Nolan Hickman isn't a, a, a score first guy even when he's playing his best he's not going to be a guy who scores 20 a game he's not going to take over a game the way that Andrew Nembhard was capable of doing uh, and then Anton Watson ha has really kind of stepped up in a significant way uh, and he's still not an elite scorer he's just now actually a scorer which he wasn't for the first three years that he was in Spokane so you see a couple different guys rotate into that spot and I think it makes it a little hard to game plan against them but ultimately I think in is at their best if Strother's the clear number two, Timmy's the clear number one, and then that three, four, five guy kind of rotates throughout the year. And this so far, they just haven't quite had that consistency mm -hmm. from those guys not named Drew Timmy. All right. And Gonzaga has maybe its toughest uh, road trip in, mm -hmm. in the conference schedule this week. They're going to be at USF and they're at Santa Clara mm -hmm. this week. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Santa Clara team because mm -hmm. this is a Santa Clara team, honestly, like this first week was maybe the most impressive to me, even though they dropped the game against St. Mary's, like just the way they were able to hang in there with St. Mary's one first winning the game against USF, the way they were able to pull away late mm -hmm. and then how they hung around for every run that St. Mary's made. What's been, what is your read now? Like after seeing a week of conference play with Santa Clara and what that matchup is going to look like? Yeah. Santa Clara is a really good shooting team. And I think ultimately that that's going to really help this team uh, potentially pick off some of the better teams in the conference. You know, I think they have as good a chance of anybody not named St. Mary's of beating Gonzaga. Uh, they have as good a chance of beating St. Mary's as anybody not named Gonzaga as well. Like they're, they're, they're probably the third best team here and the most likely to, to pick off some of those victories. I think, uh, the addition of Brandon Podzimski has just been extraordinarily huge for them. He's averaging 18 and a half points, uh, eight and a half boards, shooting 38% from three. Keyshawn Justice is a guy I absolutely loved on this team last year. A great kind of complimentary piece. Big physical guy, good defensive player, also shoots the crap out of the basketball from beyond the arc. Uh, I think this is a really solid, balanced team. I think most people kind of weren't sure what they were going to be after losing so much talent from last year's roster, losing Frankich, losing, of course, Jalen Williams, losing PJ Pipes, and to come back and, and kind of put, put some supplementary pieces around the guys, let Justice do his thing, let Parker Braun do his thing. He's been fantastic. And then uh, obviously Podzimski has really kind of helped this team. I, I'm not sure that they're, they quite have the horses to beat Gonzaga, but on the road early in the season when Gonzaga's still figuring things out, I don't know. It's going to be, it's, this is going to be a, a tough of a time to play Gonzaga or excuse me, to play Santa Clara as Gonzaga has had in a very long time. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I mean, I think the Zags are really going to like, their only hiccup could be potentially be in Moraga, but yeah. Santa Clara, I think is going to give them a run. Uh, yeah. Just the combination of just, as you mentioned, Pajemski, but also Carlos Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's been averaging like almost 20 a game the last like yeah. um, month or so. So just another guy to watch out for. But one of the teams that we started, there was definitely questions about early on. We've even had this discussion about BYU, mm -hmm. and they they're two and zero in the conf to start off conference play. And unlike the rest of their season, they have not they did not play down to the level of their competition mm -hmm. this week. They took it to Pacific on the road, and then they they beat up on a very banged up Portland team. Mm -hmm. What's are we starting to see BYU's on a round into form? Because it's starting to feel like now they've won seven in a row, they've beaten some good teams, and they're no longer playing down to that competition. It's like, have they figured this out? Yeah, they're they're getting a lot closer. It's you know, we kind of they got really ruled out early in the year after barely beating Idaho State. Of course, the loss to San Diego State, and then they had two losses in a row to good teams in USC and Butler, not great teams, the Butler losses. 
neither of those no, neither of those losses are aging all that well actually both those teams have kind of struggled uh but you know win over Dayton helps obviously the Creighton win is huge for them and now we're after the Creighton win they're on a what a seven seven game seven. winning streak now and like you said they they're not playing down anymore they barely beat Weber State that was kind of an example of them still playing down of course a uh, in-state rivalry those are always tough but yeah, blew the doors off Pacific, spanked Portland. Uh, I think this team is starting to kind of round it, round it out together. Uh, Mark Pope made a good decision on, on how the playing time with Rudy Williams. That was something that was, they really couldn't figure out what to do with him early in the year. I think they were expecting more out of him. He wasn't quite ready for that role. They adjusted, put him on the bench, kind of let him uh, figure it out in a different way. Of course, Fusuni Traore has been great. Gideon George, really nice game for them recently as well. So uh, I think you're starting to see this team figure it out. I think they're they're still on the outside looking in of an NCAA tournament spot. I think the some of their early season losses, the loss to South Dakota, uh, the uh, aforementioned loss to, or excuse me, the loss to Utah Valley, the, the near loss to Weber State. I think this is a team that's probably not uh, in that conversation unless they, you know, sweep or take three out, three or four from Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Uh, or, of course, if they win the WCC tournament, which, quite frankly, they could do. Uh, it would be a little surprising to me. I'm not sure they have the talent. They're not better than those two teams, but you know, anybody can win a couple of games. And I think this BYU team is starting to figure it out at the right time for, for Mark Pope and their final year in the conference. All right. And, and with that, I'm going to wrap it up. And because we've talked about BYU, talked about um, Gonzaga, Santa Clara, and a little bit about USF talk about let's, I want to dive in a little bit on this Portland team, because this is a team that has just over the last few weeks has just, they've struggled, but a large part of it is now they are banged up. Yep. They've had that Moses Wood has missed a few games. Tyler Robertson missed on Saturday. Yeah, so like I feel like I'm that I'm going to be so disappointed to see Portland just not be able to make the run we thought they potentially could have. And a lot of and now recently it's they're so banged up. So just kind of talk about as you have your Portland hat on, uh, mm-hmm. just like what what you're seeing from the pilots because it seems like that part of it is the way they're playing, but now it's now it's being just snowballed on them with injuries. Yeah, it's been uh, since the Villanova win and the, the the close loss to Michigan State, really, really good teams, of course, uh, in the Phil Knight Invitational. We just haven't seen this team reach that expectation at all. And you, you mentioned the injuries. And I mean, I, I feel for Coach Leggins because they've had injuries the entire season. I mean, they were injured. They had guys who weren't playing early in the year, even in the Phil Knight Invitational. Now they've got more guys who've been missing games. But I mean, they're lost four of their last five. Their only win in that stretch was against New Orleans. Just not not a victory that's really particularly notable. Win over North Dakota and Multnomah is pretty much all they have since Villanova. You just, you're seeing a team that has kind of spun out a little bit. And quite frankly, it's a little odd to me because I think one of the strengths that this team had coming into the year, and one of the things that I talked about with Coach Leggins on an episode of Locked On College Basketball right after uh, the Phil Knight Invitational was kind of talked about the continuity on the roster and returning so many guys from last year's team. You know, you return Moses Wood, you return Tyler Robertson, you return Austin, you return Met, like you return all these guys. Uh, and and of course, injuries have played a huge part in that. And some of those guys haven't been available for very much of the season at all. Some of those guys like are, are recently been hurt and, and that's obviously playing a big role here, but uh, to see them kind of look a little bit did like they're, they they look like they haven't played together. I guess that's the best way to put it. They don't look like a team that that is basically returned ninety something percent of their minutes from last year's uh, squad, and that's that's concerning for this team going forward. I think they're going to figure it out. 
Uh, LMU and BYU is not the easiest stretch of games to start off conference play, but I mean, they weren't competitive in either game. They got beat by 20 against LMU. LMU, a team that's a little better than I thought they were going to be, but I wouldn't have expected them to secure. The only team I think LMU should be beaten by 20 in the conference is Pacific. So for them to to do that to, to Portland is is concerning for where Leggins' team is, is going. I think I believe in Shante. I think he's a great coach. I think this team is is going to rebound uh, a little bit, but uh, the season has kind of started to to circle the drain a little bit, and we'll see if they can pull out of it. Uh, hopefully, get healthy and and make make a little run and kind of gets a little bit more excitement and encouragement about the future of basketball in the Bluff in Portland. All right, thanks, Andy, for hopping on and chatting. Uh, let it um, tell. Uh, tell my listeners uh, where they can find you and how how to find you. Yeah, absolutely, Zach. Thank you for having me on. Uh, like I said, you can follow me on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. Lots of conversation about Gonzaga, of course, but we talk WCC, talk plenty of other stuff as well. Podcast is Locked On Zags. Other podcasts, Locked On College Basketball. Uh, lots of conversation about the sport in general. Quick hitters about as many teams as we can possibly cover. There's 360 of them, so we don't get to everybody. But, uh, you know, we had Zach on for WCC talk a few weeks ago and happy to continue to chat about that as well. So you can follow that at Locked On CBB. You can find both podcasts wherever you get shows. You can also find them on YouTube. Go hit that subscribe button. Uh, yeah, a lot of great content coming your way as we get into 2023. All right. All right. Thanks, Andy. And we'll uh, be chatting down the road. Absolutely. I want to thank Andy one more time for hopping on and chatting some WCC hoops. It's always great to to hook up with Andy and be able to do that. So, so again, this Portland team, we so many of us actually had really high expectations, high hopes for with this team. I was fairly conservative. I was trying to be as conservative as I could with Portland because the year after you finally have expectations is the maybe the toughest year. And after the PK 85, th- that team was on a high. That team was like, everyone was like, oh, wow, look out for Portland, everything else. And December has not looked good uh, for Portland. Hopefully January will be better, but this team has now really banged up. They already had lost Chris Austin for the season. Now you're, now you're playing without Moses Wood. You played with Mike Meadows without Mike Meadows earlier on in the season. You're playing right now without Tyler Robertson. Hopefully he's able to come back uh, for this week's games. We'll, we'll be able to, we'll have to check on the medical reports for that. But this Portland team, I think still provides enough, enough firepower that you still have to be careful. You can't, you can't look at what Portland has done over the last few weeks and then fall asleep on this team. There's this is still a dangerous team that you have to keep an eye out for uh, because now do I think that they're going to be making any level of a postseason run at this stage? CBI maybe, but that's maybe about it, but this, but they, they could potentially catch somebody. And so again, no, you can't fall asleep against this team. They they'll speaking of a team. They could end up catching while they're asleep. they, they do have St. Mary's on Saturday. I don't think the Gales are going to fall asleep against them, but you never know. That's their one lone game this week. So it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. A couple of the other, I think another team with a big week this week is going to be LMU. LMU still, despite the Pacific loss, is still sitting in the top 100 for uh, the net. 
the top hundred for the net. So this is a top, a team that still could pick up some good wins and, and really make a better case for themselves. They're at home. They'll be hosting both LMU and USF. Again, these are going to be two wins, uh, two, sorry, uh, two games that, uh, that are going to be critical for, for their success. Um, they're good. I'd have to look again just to see which, um, um, quadrant that these games would count as because they're both at home, but it's going to be a, a really important for LMU to get, I think at least a split of these games. I don't know if they necessarily need both of them. Now I'm not, I'm not thinking that they're going to potentially be like an at-large NCAA at-large team, but I think for to be back in the conversation for like the NIT or something like that, they need to pick up at least one of these, probably both of them uh, to get themselves back into the conversation. They're going to have to defend the home court uh, well throughout conference season. And these are two games that they're going to absolutely uh, need before they see, because the following week they get both, they get St. Mary's. So they're going to need to be able to uh, pick, pick up those. It's a, it's a big stretch for LMU. So keep an eye out for the lions as well as we go into this week. And in one other note, I, cause like, I wanted like, this was, was such an un, not under performance. Cause like, I think like many who saw the game really, this caught their eye was how well uh, Max Lewis played against Gonzaga. We didn't get to, t- I didn't get to chat about it with it uh, with Andy, but he, he scored. I want to say it was like the first, like eight points within the first two, three minutes of that game up in Spokane. It was, and that was going to, it was going to be a really exciting thing to see how Max Lewis was going to play out that game. Then he picked up two early fouls. So that really, I felt like kind of like derailed that momentum or whatnot. He still ended up with 20 points in that one. Uh, and we've been talking, a lot of people have been talking about it all season. Like Max Lewis is an NBA, like he has NBA talent. He's going to get his shot in the league. And, um, I, this is, this is what makes Pepperdine so dangerous is that they have a few guys who are going to be able to really put up numbers. The, the challenge for Pepperdine is still the defense, their consistency. Uh, but Matt, Max Lewis is not one of those problems. He has been maybe the most consistent player on that squad. And now that he's healthy, we're really starting to see just how good uh, this guy can be. All right. Well, that'll wrap it up for uh, this episode of the unofficial WCC hoops podcast. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Also uh, be sure to like and share on your favorite streaming services. Follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And uh, TikTok at Post by Zach for additional content. Uh, you can also find some of the YouTube shorts for additional content as well. Uh, also, just search um, unofficial WCC Hoops podcast on on YouTube as well. And uh, that'll do it. So again, um, Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we got week two of the conference schedule. And um, and we are here in 2023. So it's, it's excited to get it going. All right, I'll catch you all later and see you next time.